We spend a good portion of our lives waiting. We wait in lines that seem endless. We wait for phone calls that seem like eternity. We wait on hold and we're subjected typically to the most horrific music. And I think that's intentional. I think that's intentional so that whoever's on the other line is hoping you give up and you hang up. We wait in hospital rooms. And we wait in the mechanics waiting room. Usually in both those places, expecting bad news. But Psalm 130, and actually throughout the Psalms, we find an essential trait in being a follower of God as someone who waits. Waiting on him. Waiting for him. And I think that's what makes the other places and times of waiting unbearable. I think we make a mistake often when we come to Scripture and we assume that this is like a very idealized situation, but you read Psalm 130 and you discover that it's really a place where the psalmist is in a tough spot. And it's in that tough spot that he makes an amazing discovery. It's for us as well today. We heard these words already, but let me repeat them. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Well, on this Sunday before I begin sabbatical, I want to invite all of us to wait on the God who invites us to wait on him as an act of trust. But also, this waiting is not passive. It is actively anticipating and actively participating in what God is doing in us and around us. It's actually a waiting that leads us to fulfilling our place in this world, which is our summer theme. But our waiting, our waiting does not begin with us. It begins with who God is. Two weeks ago, Dr. Richardson spoke of being a non-anxious presence in the world, in this anxious world. Last week we saw in that process, in living in this world, in our world, we saw that our place in this world is to be a reflecting light of Jesus. And when we read those passages, it makes us feel like we have to be doing something. And we often do need to be doing something. But all of this does not begin with our doing. Our place in this world does not begin with our doing. It begins with this. I wait for the Lord. Not once, but twice the psalmist declares this trustful waiting. But what is it that allows us, that helps us to wait on God? Well, here's the answer to that. It's the Lord himself. It's who God is himself. N.T. Wright gives this great description of the God we are waiting on and the God we're waiting for. He says this, God is utterly committed to set the world right in the end. That's a good truth. 
He goes on, this doctrine like that of the resurrection itself is held firmly in place by the belief in God as creator on the one side and the belief in his goodness on the other side. That's the God. That's the God we're waiting on. The creator God who is good, who wants to make all things right. Get that picture. We need that picture. Waiting on God begins with an acknowledgement that that's the God we're waiting on. But also that we are not God. That we are not running the world. And that is the starting place for us to live out our place in this world. It is not, not us, but it is God. One of my life verses reminds me of that. Every time I read it, John 15, 16, Jesus gave these words to his disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you to go and to bear fruit, fruit that will remain. You did not choose me, but I chose you. It begins with God. So the starting place for finding our places in this world is not what we can do, not what we think is the most important thing, not our big grand plan, or not how we think God should be working in our lives. It's just simply starting with God, who God is. Enuma Okoro wrote this, We wait in confidence and hope, not because of who we are, but because of whom we trust and believe God is. Faithful, steadfast, full of loving kindness, true to God's word, and present with us. So the psalmist says, I wait for the Lord. Now when we hear that, we read that, and we say, that's, that's good. But the word Lord there is that name Jehovah. So the hearers and the singers of this psalm, when they hear this, it pulls their memories. As they hear the name Jehovah, I wait on Jehovah, it pulls their memories back to the God of creation. It pulls their memories back to the God who has kept them all along the way. It pulls them back to remember where this all begins. It's an acknowledgement. It's an acknowledgement that they are not the ones in control. And that's what waiting does. It trusts it builds trust. It trusts that God is God and we are not. This is how Paul the Apostle said it. And again, one of my life verses, one of my favorite verses. You've heard me um, say this many times if I had a conversation with you or I've ended an email with you. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Colossians 1.17 now those words describe Jesus as co-creator and sustainer. The picture of Jesus being at the beginning spinning the stars of the universe in place. And they serve as a reminder that we can trust him with the world and our lives. We can trust him with the world and our lives. John Ortberg uh, humorously imagines God talking to us. If you've never read his book, Soul Keeping, I would invite you to read Soul Keeping. But he, he says this, this is God speaking to us. You can continue doing life without me and feel stressed, pressured, angry, sorry for yourself, impatient, and be a pain in the neck to the people around you. Or you recognize that I, not you, am running the universe. Actually, I was doing pretty well with it before you were even born. 
and I'll probably be able to still manage it. Well, this summer, at the heart of our theme, our place in this world, is this call to wait on this God. That's the path to whatever it is God has for us as individuals and as a church community. And in seeking to discern the nature of this sabbatical time, this has been at the forefront of my mind and my heart. This intentional place on waiting on God. Reminding me that the church belongs to God. That the church is God's. That God is the one who's in charge. For real. Not just something we say and imagine. And we just say, yeah, well, God's in charge. And then we try to grab hold of control. But for real. And that's what waiting is about. But here's the problem. This is the rub. We are not conditioned as people in our culture, as pastors and people. We are not conditioned to wait. We are conditioned to go and to do. We are conditioned by being stimulated by media, social and any other type of media. And we are conditioned to achieve and produce and get ahead. And especially, we are conditioned for immediate results in the immediate way we immediately think we should have. We're, we're conditioned that way. We're, hard, we're wired that way in our culture. Our culture attempts to wire us that way. Now, words spoken by Paul Tillich 70 years ago are like prophetically, prophetically current. I wrote these into the sabbatical proposal I presented to the church board, but they're a reminder to myself. He said this, and the language is a little bit dated, so when you hear radio or you hear magazine, think Facebook or Twitter, or podcast, or whatever the media stream is for you. But these words are prophetic. He says, one is inclined to say that the mere movement ahead without end, the intoxication with speeding without limits, is what satisfies. But this answer is by no means sufficient. Our daily life in office and home, in cars and airplanes, at parties and conferences, while reading magazines and watching television, while looking at advertisements and hearing radio, are in themselves continuous examples of a life which has lost the dimension of depth. Lives that have lost the dimension of depth. It runs ahead. Every moment is filled with something which must be done or seen or said or planned. But no one can experience depth without stopping and becoming aware of ourselves. Just stop there for a moment. I think one reason why we shy away from silence and solitude and time away just with God, why we fill our lives with so much, is we're afraid to become aware of ourselves. But we must stop to become aware of ourselves and aware of God. We must stop. That's what he's saying. He, he goes on. Only if we have moments in which we do not care about what comes next can we experience the meaning of this moment here and now and ask ourselves about the meaning of this, of this life. As long as the preliminary transitory concerns are not silenced, no matter how interesting and valuable and important they may be, the voice of the ultimate concern cannot be heard. What a statement. The voice of the ultimate concern cannot be heard unless those preliminary transitory concerns are not silent. 
I will wait on the Lord, the psalmist says. The truth is, unless we take the time to wait on God to be with Jesus, we will be lost in the swirl and the noise of activity, actual, virtual, and everything else in between. No one better lived this out, as you know, than Jesus. The Passion Translation has, has kind of piqued my curiosity, let's say it that way, has maybe helped me think deeper and in a fresh way about Scripture. Mark records these words. There was such a swirl of activity around Jesus with so many people coming and going that they were unable to even eat a meal. So Jesus said to his disciples, come, let's take a break and find a secluded place where you can rest a while. If I have a prayer request for the next two months, it's this. Pray that in the secluded place of this sabbatical, I will hear the voice of the ultimate concern. Pray that. If you don't know what to pray, pray that. Not, not the ultimate concern that you think is the ultimate concern. Or that I think is the ultimate concern. Well, what is the ultimate concern God has? And I, I want to pray that for you over these two months. And I'm going to invite you to pray that for one another. What is the ultimate concern? There's so much out here that's not ultimate. There's so much we get lost in that's not the ultimate. And if I'm going to be honest and a little vulnerable, it's easy for me to get lost in the stuff that's not ultimate. So pray that way, that I hear the voice of the ultimate. And I'm going to pray that way for you. And the ultimate starts with who God is and God, just being with God. But now picture this watchman that Pastor Mary read for us earlier. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Now one of the places that we'll eventually venture to this, this summer is our annual trek that we take every year to Maine. It's one of the, it's sacred ground for me and for us. We have found over the last seven years a sacred space. Where's your sacred space? I'm not just talking about going and having fun somewhere, but sacred space where you go and you meet God and you meet one another and you encounter him and your life and yourself in a special way. I think that's, Parts of Maine for us. It's funny because if you would have asked me 20 years ago if I would ever live in New England, I would have said, no way. Now, 18 years later, I'm going, I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. We love it. And Maine does that for us. Well, one of my practices when I'm there, and, and drives Kathleen a little crazy because like, I'm one of those people who are on vacation who sets their alarm, right? Like five in the morning or earlier. And um, I just love the morning. And she once in a while will say to me, can't you just sleep in one day? So we'll see. Maybe I will. But when I'm there, I get up early in the morning. And when I get to land's end, it is always pre-dawn. So I'm there really early. I'm usually there about 45 minutes early. And I stay there. And you know what? Often that time of year, it's cold. And I'm being bombarded by mosquitoes. 
but I wait. The rocks where I sit, I've yet to find after all these years a comfortable rock. Right? I find myself in different positions, you know, and I try to get, you know, yeah. but I wait. And I wait because I know what's coming. A vibrant, glorious, spectacular sunrise over the Atlantic Ocean. And if I get there early enough, there's a cut between where I sit and an island. I'll see the lobstermen come through as they're going out. I've got some amazing pictures of that. I think my best pictures I've ever taken in my life are on that rock. But I wait with anticipation because I know what's coming. Picture the watchman waiting. He's waiting for the sun to come up. His senses are at high alert. He's not only looking for the enemy, which he is, but he's also waiting for a message of hope that some fleet-footed messenger might bring to him. The night has been long, and his mind is beginning to wander like any of us it would. It's drifting to the time when he can leave his post, and maybe he's imagining going home to his family, having a fresh meal, getting out of his work clothes. He's anticipating that hug from his wife and kids. He's, he's looking forward to the relief that there's been another night that has passed without the enemy approaching. Wrapped up in his waiting is great anticipation. Capturing this, Henri Nouwen wrote this, and this is another long quote, but it's good. He said, to wait is an enormously radical attitude towards life. Amen? To wait is enormously radical attitude towards life. To trust that something will happen to us that is far beyond our imaginings. Giving up control over our future and letting God define our life. Trusting that God molds us according to God's love and not according to our fear. What a statement that is. The spiritual life is a life in which we wait. We're actively present to the moment. Trusting that new things will happen to us. Things that are far beyond our own imagination, our own fantasy, our own prediction. That indeed, he says, is a very radical stance towards life in a world preoccupied with control. Right? A world preoccupied with control. What are you anticipating God wants to do? What are you anticipating that God wants to do in your life? In the next two months? How are you actively anticipating? And second question connected to it. How are you actively trying to seize control? How am I? You see, this waiting is not passive. It's easy to read this and think, Read the psalm and go, well, you know, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to hang out. But when we're even still before God, when we're doing nothing and we're sitting there, remember the truth we've been talking about over and over and over again. There's never a moment when divine love is not at work. So even when we're sitting there before God and with God, guess what God's up to? He's working. He's doing new things. He's working towards making all things right. 
So this is an active participation. It's an active anticipating of what he is doing in us and around us. Trusting in the God who is creatively good, we anticipate he is up to something in the world. And we're eager for what God is going to do with what we do not yet see. This is waiting for, and this is welcoming God's future for us. We are a people oriented in a time zone of the future. Because we believe God is going to make all things right. And that pulls us forward to make a difference in the present. Anticipating what God's going to do. Hear these words again. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. So with every fiber of his soul, his whole being, and that's the true meaning of the soul, not some disembodied spiritual life. But the soul represents the complete totality of who a person is. He says, with the fiber of my being, I wait for God. I rest in God. I wait for God. But again, it suggests this active waiting, this anticipating, like a watchman waiting for the morning anticipating that God would meet him right where he is. Now hear that, right where he is. You see, we quote words like this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. But do we believe them? Do we really believe that when we seek God, he's going to meet us? When you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all my heart. That he's like poised to want to do that. He, he's going to meet us. Because you see, looking out on the world as it is, it's easy to lose the grip on your anticipation of faith. But there is an adventure to faith that anticipates new things, anticipates good things, anticipates holy things that are from God, and participates in them. Others have said it this way, we wait in expectation of the full coming of God's reign on earth and for the return of Christ, what God will yet do. But this waiting is not a passive waiting, it is an active waiting. We are in a world pregnant with hope. What a statement. And we live in the expectation of the coming of God's kingdom on earth. As we wait, we also work and we cry and we pray and we ache. We are the midwives of another world. Love it. So do not let the world, my friends, do not let the world tarnish your faith. To the degree where it becomes simply a placeholder in your religious life. Just a word we throw around. Like the watchmen, we need to be looking and we need to be hoping. And that was the message for these people. And to us, he goes on and he says, Put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. So what does that all mean? Well, this summer, let's give one another permission. Let's give one another permission to imagine God working in new ways. Let's give one another freedom to anticipate God doing something different. And most importantly, let's give one another grace. This psalm is all about the grace of God. Read it again. Let's give one another grace to believe that God has something up his sleeve.
love to have a cup of coffee with Jesus today. Wouldn't you? And I think that's the question I'd ask him. Jesus, what do you have up your sleeve? Right? What do you have up your sleeve? My friends, you may be in a hard season that seems like it doesn't want to end. Or perhaps you have weariness of soul and body. It may be the fear of what is the unknown path ahead. It may be the sense and the frustration that it's not like you want it to be. It may be glorious and wonderful. And you may be grateful. It may be a little scary. But here's the deal. God is afoot. God is stirring. In another famous psalm that calls us to wait, we hear these words. Waiting in anticipation. Psalm 27. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. Thanks be to God. As I close this morning, let me share with you some thoughts about this sabbatical. Just briefly. And again, as I said, I'll be available afterwards if you want to ask me anything. I need to confess to you that taking the sabbatical is intimidating. And it's been a little anxious producing for me. Um, what I'm calling sabbatical anxiety. I'm not sure if anyone else coined that phrase, but I'm coining it and I'm owning it. And that's where some of the things the Lord has been speaking to me about that you've heard this morning. About this fact that it begins with him the creator, the good God who's doing, making all things right. That the church belongs to him. That I belong to him, you belong to him, we belong to him. That he can be trusted. That I'm not in control. So it's a little intimidating. But I've also come to see and recognize how necessary it is. In that recognition, I also must confess, especially to the many ones of you who've encouraged me to take this, that I have not been a good steward of self-care. I thought I was. I did. I think I have, in many ways, practiced good self-care. Make sure I try to take my day off tried to encourage our staff to be that way as well. But the Lord's been showing me in the last couple months that I've not been a good steward in pastoral self-care. Because this sabbatical should have happened a long time ago. You need to know that. And that's on me. And you also need to know that this must become the practice and the policy for the church and the pastors of Community Chapel moving forward. And we're going to work through that. That's the plan. But mixed with this sense of intimidation is an anticipation in how God may meet us. Yes, us. As we go on sabbatical, you have a sabbatical from me. I have a sabbatical from the daily you know, running of the church. 
But here's what you need to know. The speakers at Community Chapel this summer will be amazing. There's going to be some amazing stuff coming from not only our pastors, which we always get amazing stuff from, our staff just does a great job, but also from guest speakers. About eight guest speakers we're bringing in through the summer who are going to bring it. They have been prayerfully discerned. We can all lean into this active waiting on God, making space for him to be the Lord of it all, and then our waiting will lead us to fulfilling our place in this world. I close with this. And then we're going to, uh, our worship team's going to lead us in Be Still My Soul. Another great song to send us on today. Very early in my ministry, <laughs> I printed out something. I, I never read it anywhere. Maybe, maybe I did, but I think it was original to me. Maybe not, probably not. You know, there was a young preacher who said he was going to be original or nothing, and he became both very quickly. So this is what I read, and this is what I posted, and I put it under the glass top of my desk early on in my ministry. I probably wrote this to myself 28, 30 years ago. You are not totally irrevocably responsible for everything. That's my job. Love God. And I'm thinking I may need to print that back out. So what are we waiting for? We wait for the Lord. Our whole being waits. We wait for the God who is creative and good and is making all things right, even when we don't see it. We wait to live out our place in this world that so desperately needs us. The world needs you. The world needs me. We wait being pulled. As I read Revelation 21 this morning, being pulled into a future where the God who comes and dwells with us in fullness as we can never imagine and there'll be no more tears and there'll be no more pain and there'll be no more death and there'll be no more suffering. We wait. Our whole being waits. And in his word, we put our hope. Thanks be to God. But now I pray that we would go, that we'd wait on God, and that God would meet us with grace that we cannot imagine, with love that overwhelms, with the power of the Spirit that keeps us strong, that we would go as his people, and that we would find our place in this world by first finding our place with God who loves us with an everlasting love. May we go in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and be at peace. Amen. Our ushers will dismiss you this morning.